If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's up? Good morning, everybody. Sorry for the late start this morning. It sounds like I'm under the weather. It's because allergies are in full swing and have been wrecking me these past couple days. And I, I don't know what it is. I, it's probably because when I, I never had allergies ever in my life. Uh, but the minute I, I moved to California, especially Southern California, every March I just get wrecked with allergies, and it's probably due to the fact that it's like the the different flora and fauna and all that stuff. That's probably why. Um, it, it happens and it, you know, I don't have the Rona. A lot of people, you know, you hear me cough and, uh, sneeze or stuff like that. People automatically give you those dirty looks. They're like, um, they're like, Oh my gosh, he sneezed and he coughed. Oh no. Don't have the Rona, not sick, no fevers, anything like that. No temperature raises, just allergies went in my throat. So we'll see how long it lasts, how long I can do before I, I don't want to hack up a lung on here. Might be more of a kind of open it up to you guys for more chats and, and discuss your chats and let you go ahead. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Natalie and Amanda for showing up. Uh, yeah, I've been using Claritin uh, started just yesterday. So um, yeah, I see how that works. Um a whole bunch of other things, just Claritin to see if I can stop that. Um, but a big shout out to Amanda and Natalie and for sh- for coming to the red pill, uh, round table last week. It was really good. It was like, I think we could have kept talking for a lot longer. It was the longest podcast episode ever. It was almost two hours, about an hour and 52 minutes. Um, I had technical difficulties and my internet went down and it had nothing to do. Um, with me or anything it's just spectrum just decided that night they were not going to have internet and they just completely shut down the internet i got a text later like oh hey we just wanted to let you know there's a blackout in your area it's like well yeah no crap like uh yeah it it went down for a while i was able to get back on but it was pretty cool seeing that you know also shout out to cynthia for jumping in as the co-host um and taking over and i i watched it back and i was like wow they just kept talking and they just did they just kept rolling it wasn't even like they needed me there so it's a great episode definitely check it out i think i want to do more in the future so i know a lot of you have kind of reached out to me that you want to be a part of this like red pill round table where we discuss this stuff i think that would be a lot of fun to kind of like kind of do it and make it like a series of like red pill round table so people can hear and i think that's important that people hear that and that they they um i guess they hear stories because a lot of people probably have a lot of the same similar stories. And the more you talk to people, the more they're probably going to be like, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. And I, I identify with that and I get that. And, um, it was very interesting. There was a lot of, there were people in the chat. It was, it was a great podcast. And I can't really say enough about it. So that's why I want to do more of them, more red pill round tables coming up in the future. But we got a lot of candidates who we got to interview and we got to get through because it is still an election year. It's 2022. Uh, a lot going on. And um, in terms of the governor's race, I know I called it last week and a lot of people got really, really upset. I know a lot of people got really upset that I basically already called it for Gavin Newsom. Um, but the truth is, I, I just I looked at the field and I looked at the numbers and it's not like I, I really had any belief that there was going to be a governor who was going to win this year. 
Um, keep in mind that Gavin Newsom is part of a political um, machine, and that machine has a lot of money, has a lot of connections. So it's going to be hard between his political machine and the voter registration. It was going to be hard. It was going to be an uphill battle. But the one thing I was kind of looking for was a candidate, and I, I could still be surprised um, specifically. Uh, I, yeah, Schellenberger did jump in. No, Kevin Faulkner's not running. He announced that he is not going to be running this year. Um, I think he said something about after the circus of the recall, he wants to like take a breather. And I don't blame him. I don't blame them that he wants to take some time and, and kind of separate himself from the recall. Um, but the one thing I was looking for was somebody who could be uh, what I like to call like a blueprint candidate. And a blueprint candidate, in my mind, uh, I said this at Tamika's event when I was co-hosting her event. She's a blueprint candidate, meaning these candidates who are doing things a little bit differently here in California. Um, and they're setting the blueprint of how to win. And that's what's really important. And even if, uh, you know, a Republican went up against Gavin Newsom, but he made it competitive and he he did some things and he made some advances, that stuff you can take away. From every loss, you should be taking away what you're, you know, every mistake, every failure, every loss, you should be taking away lessons from it. You should be learning from it. It shouldn't just be, well, we lost, so we have to go, we have to be more of what we were this time. No, see who you didn't reach out to, see like what your messaging was, see like what your strategy was. Did you have a social media presence? Um, all of that, and learn from it. And that's why I, who I was kind of looking for was somebody who could jump in and be that blueprint candidate to kind of say like, this is the way that we're going to kind of chip away in California, because that's what people are looking for. People are looking for the hope. People are looking for the hope that there is a way forward, that there is a opportunity to, um, to make a change. Um, and that's what I was looking for. So I don't know much about Brian Dolly. Um, I assume he's, he's very, I think he's very conservative um, he's very popular in Northern California. I can tell you right now, he is not popular down here in Southern California. I talk to a lot of people. They don't, unless you're in the know, you don't really know who Brian Dolly is. Um, I would say more name recognition down here is probably Anthony Tremino, just because he's an Orange County guy. Um, and I have a lot of followers who are from Orange County and from Southern California. So a lot of it is Anthony Tremino. It's, it's kind of those two names, but um, I think it's already been determined that he's probably likely going to get the delegates. He's probably going to get the nomination. That's it. So Brian Dolly is your guy. Brian Dolly is your guy going forward. Uh, you can look into him, and I'm sure I'll look into him as well. Outside, I don't. I haven't heard anything bad about him. I don't know. No one's really said anything like he's he's a bad guy or anything like that, or he's nothing to like. No uncovering, no like gotchas or anything like that. The only thing I thought was funny was that his uh, logo looks exactly like the Justice League logo from the movies. But that's about it. So I know that upset a lot of people, but I think it. What, what's important. I'm sorry, I'm drinking a lot of water because I'm trying to clear out my allergies and all that. Um, this is one thing that I, 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 I've been thinking about when it comes to California politics and what's going on. Um, whenever you want to make a change, um, Sometimes it takes a hard intervention to do that, right? It takes a hard intervention to do that. 
Um, no, I haven't. Someone asked, is there any word on Major paying his fees? Not yet. Uh, he still has less than a month, so we'll see what happens. Um, but when you're, you're doing a self-reflection, you're trying to change, you do have to do sort of an intervention, and you have to kind of be tough on yourself. And that's one reason I think I'm so hard on the GOP here in California is um, because I think there's opportunity there. I think they're blowing the opportunity. And I think their whole thing is we're just going to do exactly what we've been doing and hope that sooner or later our message will break through. That's not really how politics works in, in terms of if you're trying to register voters and you're trying to flip seats and stuff like that. You can stick to your values and look at yourself and realize that I we, we may be going about this the whole wrong way and, and we need to really figure this out. And that's the thing about the GOP here in California is that there's a lot of room for improvement. And I feel like they haven't been improving. And, and because they, going back to that report I talked about back in the 90s where they said, Look, if the GOP doesn't start reaching out to uh, Hispanics and the Asian community and start bringing them into the fold now, we'll be a minority party in like 10 to 20 years. Guess what? That prediction came true. That prediction came 100% true. The GOP took no effort to really reach out to those communities and they've lost them. Now they're coming back. There's a lot of those, you know, Asian and Latino communities are starting to come back to the GOP. Not because they've been doing a fantastic job, but because it's the other option. It's just the other side of the coin. Now, you could be doing a lot better. You could be ramping up that and getting more voter registration and getting your messaging a lot better. So the point of all this is that when I posted that, it wasn't to kind of rah-rah Newsom. It was to kind of say, like, look, we need to take a step back and we need to really kind of reevaluate what we're doing here. And... The, the, the disorganization, the, the lack of messaging, the lack of a unified platform, all of that is why they continually lose. And that's why Republicans continually lose. Now, there's other groups that are trying to make their inroads, like the Libertarian Party is trying to make inroads, especially with the Mises Caucus. They're trying to make inroads into California. It's ripe for them to make inroads because they could be the opposite of the, you know, they could be the other option outside of the GOP for the Democrats. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the, the money and the party and the power is really with the GOP. If you're going to try and change the state around <coughs> first cough, not bad. Um, and that's why I think it really requires people to kind of take that hard self-reflection and not assume that everything is great and everything is fine. And if we just double down on, on what we were doing before, it'll be better I think it's time for people to really kind of be honest with themselves and say, like, how do we fix this and how do we go forward? And it may require people saying we were wrong and we didn't do this correctly, but let's start doing things correctly from here on out. So um, that was a rant that I wasn't expecting to go on today. So one thing I do want to talk about, uh, yeah, people in the comments on your post were all up in their feelings. It wasn't a personal attack. No, I didn't believe it was a personal attack on me. I was, I, I understood that there was frustration. And I think that's what a lot of people were feeling is that a lot of people were frustrated and they don't want to recognize 
the numbers and the game and what's going on because they want to hope. And I, I give them credit. They want to hope, but you have to kind of look at it from a real standpoint and go, do we have the numbers? Do we have a candidate? Do we have a messaging? Do we have inroads? Um, you know, this, this could have been a good opportunity for, um, oh, they took it personally from you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I guess people took it personally. Like I was saying, we have no chance. Well, in reality, they're really, you know, the governor's race is, it's basically already over. So, um, but with that said, that doesn't mean just stop paying attention to politics. I've talked about this before. The governor's race is only one aspect. Even if we were able to win the recall and get someone in there or Larry Elder or something, if Larry Elder was governor right now, um, there are, there would have been no way, there would have been no way that he could have really gotten anything done because there's a Democratic supermajority. And until we get rid of the Democratic supermajority, there's not going to really be much change, which is leading me into my next topic about the gas tax and why they didn't suspend the gas tax. There's a Democratic supermajority, and they voted it down because they believe that Gavin Newsom's tax rebate proposal is the way to go. Now, if you don't know what his tax rebate proposal is, he plans on basically sending everybody 100 bucks. That's it. He plans that if I send everybody $100, that would somehow help with the rising gas prices in California. Now, it seems to me it keeps going up and up and up. And it seems like one week I go, like, I, I, I felt like it wasn't too long ago I filled up our, our car for 430 And then all of a sudden I went next time, it was $5.30. I'm, it went up a whole dollar. It went up almost 25%. Um, yeah, I hate that idea, too. Somebody said, I hate that idea. Yeah, $100 doesn't fill up a lot of tanks. I want to go back to this comment and someone said, if you go on Eventbrite, there are a dozen ways to get involved with Democrats Weekly. Just by signing up, the GOP hasn't made it that easy. The Democrats even pit money, put money on the table for the young. Yeah. Yeah, Democrats are very good at organizing, even here in California, and they're very good at continuing to organize. They're very good at organizing and... With technology, you could you could organize a lot faster and a lot more efficiently. It's not it's not really a question of money. It's a question of will and organization. But anyway, going back to the gas tax and why that's talking about the Democratic supermajority and why that's important. We see a lot of these bills coming out. We see the vaccine mandates. We see private employer mandates. We see uh, these children mandates. You know, we see them voting down a bill that would suspend the gas tax, although they think that a hundred dollar tax rebate uh, would somehow like make a big difference. I know a hundred dollars doesn't go far. It would be like one fill up for us. And that's supposed to give you some relief that you're supposed to get a hundred dollars. That doesn't equate for the fact that a lot of people continually have to fill up their cars, a 50 cent, a 51 cent increase or decrease of the gas because of the suspension of the gas tax would make a big difference. It would make a huge difference in people's lives. And that's what it comes down to is that they, they don't see it that way. They don't see it that way. When there's a democratic supermajority, they don't really care and they don't have to answer it to anybody. And it goes back to when there's voter registration in their favor, they don't really have to answer to anybody. When you make districts more competitive, and again, I keep repeating myself, and I say this stuff all the time, but it's really, really important that people get this. 
the governor's race is one race. You have to build up a foundation to get to the governor's race to make it competitive. You have to make districts competitive. You have to make the assembly competitive. You have to make the Senate competitive. You have to make city councils competitive. Once you start to make things competitive, all of a sudden, one, you break this Democratic supermajority, and two, you start to put pressure on a lot of these Democrats who think that they have an easy run everywhere they go to, I may lose my seat if I go too far to the left. And that's just politics, because if they're in a competitive district that is a little bit more purplish and they have an opportunity that they, they may lose their seat because they went a little too far to the left, you can believe that they're going to start to move back to the middle. And I would rather in, in, in a five year plan, I would take that over anything. Um, lemon water, lemon water and Himalayan salt. That's what I'm drinking right now. Very salty lemon water. <coughs> Again, it's just allergies. It happens every year. Mess today. Uh, the allergies are killing me. I'm a mess. Uh, but anyway, I don't know why my my audio stopped recording. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. The allergies are killing me. I'm just gonna. I, I, I'm gonna blame it on Vladimir Putin. That's why I'm not having a great podcast today. Is because it's Vladimir Putin's fault. Um, but they, they've blamed Vladimir Putin as the reason why they oppose this, because they think somehow getting rid of the gas tax would help them line the pockets of the oil companies and petro dictators. Um, some of, James Gallagher says, we have a $65 billion surplus here in California, so we can backfill that money. Kylie added, our state's political leadership has never been so out of touch. California drivers are still facing... The switch to the summer blend gas, a higher grade fuel, which can add up to 15 cents per gallon to the cost of a fill up and lowers your gas mileage. Most Californians already know that for every tank of gas, $10 of that cost is state imposed gas taxes. Thanks to Senate Bill 1 signed by Governor Moonbeam in 2017, which increased the gas tax by 12 cents per gallon and increased automobile registration fees by more than $175. Yeah. So they're using the Vladimir Putin excuse that they think that by reducing the gas tax, uh, Lorena Gonzalez, who was, you know, everyone's favorite bully here in San Diego, California politics. She tweeted this. See, everyone wants to talk about the gas tax. But what assurance do we have that suspending the gas tax would mean money back in your pockets? What controls are in place to keep the greedy oil corporations from just keeping the gas at the same price and simply pocketing more? None. That's what she said. So Lorena Gonzalez uh, has an issue with oil companies that are uh, profiting. And she obviously doesn't like when oil companies profit because they make money and um, what they do with that money. and But she doesn't seem to have a problem when it comes to her own campaign, which... One of her top donors uh, was Chevron, who gave her $33,700. A bunch of other energy companies also gave to her. You can go to followthemoney.org, look up Lorena Gonzalez. Um, and you can see one of her top donors was Chevron Corporation. Now, I'm sure there's others if I just go down and look. There's probably more. Uh, a lot of unions, no surprise. Pfizer, obviously. Look, Pfizer's in there, $18,000. Um, Bloom Energy, Railways, let's see, Um, I'm trying to see, Philip 66, more oil companies, 
Um, so yeah, you know, fifteen thousand dollars from Philip sixty six. She doesn't even have a problem with gas companies making money so that they can donate to her campaign, but she does have a problem with you going or or saving fifty cents a gallon when uh it could benefit California families. But if that fifty one cents, extra fifty one cents ends up in her coffers as a politician, that's fine. That's not a big deal. I tried to look up others. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people who accepted gas money from like big companies like Chevron or Phillips or any of these big companies or Shell or something like that, who all voted down this gas tax. Um, And they're all pretending like they think and they're going to blame it on these evil oil companies who are profiting off of the gas tax being suspended uh, all have no problem accepting money from all these big gas companies. So again, to kind of go back to the whole point of this, got to get rid of the supermajority, got to get rid of the supermajority. That's the bottom line. Um, and we only do that by changing things from the ground up. So governor is all fine and dandy, but it doesn't change anything in the legislatures. Um, I wish liberals would just ask, how will it help the oil companies? Um, I mean, you could also pass in that same bill, you could pass caps on what they could charge or what they could make. I mean, you can regulate oil companies or energy companies. Uh, but all right. So I'm going to head to, uh, I want to hear your comments and your questions a little bit early today. I'll probably end up end a little early today because of the allergies and everything like that. Uh, I don't want to blow out my voice or start coughing or hacking up a lung on here. And then you guys are like, Oh, gross. He's just hacking up a lung. That was really gross. That was a great podcast. I'm really glad you did that. Um, so let's hear your comments, questions, stuff like that, uh, some input. So that way I'm not rambling along about what's going on. Um, boop, 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 boop. Lorena Gonzalez, who is, they wrote a column. I haven't read this column. Lorena Gonzalez is a foul-mouthed Latina troublemaker that's good for California workers. I need to read this article. And she was all super proud of it. Uh, let's see. How about we drill on American soil so the Americans can make the money? Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing that, like, a lot of people on the left um, are like, that's their whole new thing. Oh, there's 9,000 permits. Why don't the oil companies use them? If the oil companies want to make money, <coughs> excuse me, if the oil companies want to make money, why don't they just use the 9,000 permits that are sitting here on federal land? Because it's not that easy. It's not that easy to do that. It takes time. It takes, um, those are just the leasing permits. That doesn't include the drilling permits because you have to get multiple drilling permits on one piece of land. You're not just going to set up and be like, here's where we're drilling right here. Bloop. Here's oil. Bloop. Like it takes a lot. Like they got to drill a whole bunch of different holes in the ground and get oil. And it takes time and they got to sometimes build roads and they got to build an infrastructure. It takes almost a year to get this stuff done between the permits and actually building that stuff. Um, so their whole excuse of, oh, they have 9,000 permits. Why don't they just use them? And, and then they can reduce like it's not like we're holding them back. Well, you are in a way like your energy policy holds them back. Um, and, you know, cutting off the Keystone pipeline doesn't send great messages. And yeah, I mean, you haven't been really friendly to oil companies since you got in. Now, all of a sudden you're pretending like, well, you, we haven't stopped them. Right? What are we, what are you talking about? Uh, so no, you know, 
more it's all it's also Vladimir Putin's fault. So any hope for Anthony Tremino? Um Tremino's a nice guy. Obviously he's been on the podcast several times. I've met him in person. And uh you know, it's it's the problem is is that the party the way it is will probably rally behind Brian Dolly. He'll get the nomination and that will just basically freeze him out from being the governor. Uh it's a hard up the the battle for him is really the primary. He's got to get through the primary. If he can get through the primary and somehow beat Brian Dolly and become the nominee, yeah, maybe, I don't know, but he's got to he's got to run. He's got to, you know, he's got to do it. Um, I know a lot of people critiqued him for not going enough places. If you're running for governor, like you should be doing campaign tours, you should be making campaign stops. I know a lot of people say he kind of stays in like Orange County, he doesn't really get out as much. Um, he's got to run. So I, I'm sure we'll see more of that with the primary coming up, but he's got to get, the big thing is the primary. He's got to get past the primary. Um, it's a steep uphill battle with Brian Dolly, who basically everyone's already rallying behind and calling the nominee anyway. And I, I, you know, I'm sure internal voting would show that most people are throwing their support behind Brian Dolly anyway. So once that happens and he doesn't get the nomination, it's basically all over. A lot of Latinos are finally realizing that Democrats are using them as pawns for votes. Yeah, I would say that. I think a lot of Latinos are, are kind of waking up to that. Um, you see plenty of articles over and over over again that how record number of Latinos are, are joining the, the GOP. Um, and I think they saw that there was a Wall Street Journal article recently about the amount of support for the GOP from Hispanics and then like, 27% of uh, black Americans are now starting to support the GOP. So, um, and 27% is like a death knell to the democratic party, because if you can't get more than usually it was like, they would get 80%. Now, if they're only getting almost 70%, that's a huge swing. So uh, that's a big deal. Do you think SB 1464 will pass? It's how it's, to have law enforcement enforce health policies. I don't know. But let's look that up real quick. SB 1464. Do, 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 do. Uh, let's see. 2021. Two, two, zero, two. I'm trying to see. This is Oklahoma. That's not what we want. Uh, existing law requires all sheriffs to execute all lawful orders of a department in their counties. Existing law requires to enforce all the state, uh, enforce all the orders of the state department of public health or, or the local health official issue for the purpose of preventing the spread of any contagious infection. Existing law authorizes each peace officer of every political subdivision of the country to enforce within the area subject to their jurisdiction. Oh, so they're now they're 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 forcing. This bill would instead require those sheriffs and peace officers to enforce his orders by expanding the duties of local law enforcement. This bill would create a state-mandated local program. Um, the bill would additionally prohibit state funds from being provided to any law enforcement agency that publicly announces that they will oppose or adopt a policy to oppose a public health order. Wow. Okay. Um, obviously, Dr. Richard Pan... Uh, who's termed out, which he's, this is why, you know, he's termed out, so he's done. This is why he's introducing all of these in incredibly, like, authoritarian statist bills that are crazy because he's not running for re-election. He's done after this. Um, 
but that's insane. I hadn't heard about this. This was a really crazy bill. Basically, they're taking the ability away from sheriffs, anybody else, and any peace officers from saying, like, look, we're not going to enforce it. So they're going to force all police and law enforcement to enforce all the orders. So even if a sheriff of a certain county goes, I'm not enforcing this. Like a lot of, you know, L.A. County and Villanueva, he didn't enforce a lot of it. Um, there's stuff like down here in San Diego, Sheriff Gore didn't, wasn't like, I, I'm not going to door to door. That was his whole thing. He's like, I'm not going door to door to check on businesses. Um, so now they're going to require it. Wow. Okay. So, and they could prohibit state funds. So that is a crazy bill. And, um, it's been introduced. It was introduced on February 18th. I don't know if it's gotten a vote yet, so we'll keep, keep an eye on it. That's really incredible sb1464 for all you who want to pay attention so basically they're going to force all the police to enforce these orders which you would think they'd um you would think that the way california like spending money and creating more bureaucracy they would have set up like a task force for the department of public health but i guess they figure we'll just use the police it's on the agenda for health committee on 330 okay so we'll see. It might make it through committee, and then it has to go to the floor, and we'll see what happens. Uh, a lot of these bills that they're trying to pass is going to make California a police state. Sadly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're just pushing the envelope with how far they can go to turn this into a complete status utopia. Connie Levia has told people on video that she will not support SB 871. That's good. Uh, they, because they saw the few who decided not to. Yeah. They saw the people who were deciding not to do it. And, uh, yeah, obviously they want to make an example and say like, you can't do that anymore. Um, but that was the whole point. That's the whole point of like sort of a federalism and creating these different localized areas of power is that you can have localities kind of turn around and go back to their superior jurisdiction and go, we disagree with this and we're not going to do it. I mean, even states can kind of look at federal law and nullify, nullify it by just not paying attention to it. And that's called nullification. It's a whole interesting topic. It's a whole thing with like a lot of like, uh, you know, the 10th Amendment Center is big on nullification. Federal society is big on nullification that the states can basically just go, we're not really going to listen to your federal law. And that's it. By doing that, um, nullification is a way for states to kind of push back on federal laws. Introduce bills to destroy the Constitution. Yep. I'm hearing from a lot of families that they feel the state government is trying to push them out with such crazy laws. Yeah, it, it, I don't know how far they can go. And, that, and that's something that worries me is like, um, is I don't know how far they can go before it becomes unreasonable. And we're already seeing it. We're seeing a collapse in sort of the middle class here in California it's not affordable to really own a home. Um, the American dream is basically dead. Like there's no way to really prosper. A lot of people here move to other States. They moved just across the border, Arizona or Nevada. And they're like, it's a whole new world. It's like all of a sudden I can follow the American dream. I can own a house. I can have expendable income. Um, and not everything's super expensive. And these are places out in the middle of the desert and people feel like they're living in paradise. So, they're, they're actively killing the American dream and they're, they're ruining the ability to make, get ahead in California. I don't know what their end goal is, 
because at a certain point you can only squeeze so much. You can squeeze so much before people just get up and leave. And a lot of people have left. We saw that with the consensus or the, the census was that a lot of people did leave California. We lost a congressional seat. That's how many people left California and people are still leaving California in record numbers. So I don't, I don't know how far they can go until they completely just push everybody out and make it and it just collapses. Um, and I, I think it, at that point you kind of look at it and go, uh, is it safe to say that your progressive ideals have not worked? Your statist ideals have not worked. Look at what happened in California. Everything has basically collapsed. So not in the middle of the California desert, Arizona heat with California prices. Yeah, that's gotta be rough. At least I live in you know, a nice coastal city so that I get the benefits of like living in California. So I get to like brag to people back home on, on the East coast and be like, you know, they got like a wizard or wizard, oh, but a wizard, they got a blizzard. They got some big like snow blizzard or I don't know what they call it. Um, and my mom sent me a video of the snow and I was like, well, it's 75 degrees here. I actually had to break out my flip flops. So as a born and raised San Diegan, it's getting harder to stay and provide for my family. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I we, you know, I just got married. We want to buy a house, and it's tough. You know, you look at anything, you're like, oh my gosh, like six hundred thousand dollars, and you look at the house, and it's like, it's falling apart, and you're like, this is six hundred thousand um, dollars. Yeah, I hate snow as well. One of the reasons why I moved to Southern California. The last winter before I moved to California, Southern Cal to San Diego. <coughs> excuse me was, um, it was negative 10 for like a month straight. Yeah, it was bad. I just remember being like, I got to get out of here. So, um, where was I going with that? I don't know how much more they can keep pushing real in reality. You know, gas prices are, are through the roof. Housing prices are through the roof. Um, and again, this is, me being the, the glass half full kind of guy, I look at this and go, this is the opportunity. And and I, you're blowing it if you're not taking advantage of this opportunity. By going out and reaching out to people and saying, look, here are the issues you're facing. Here's how we can help solve them. You know, in politics, that's how you, you that's how you win is you get to people and you talk to them on what bothers them. Um, and there's no denying that people can't sit here and go, yeah, gas is expensive, all this stuff. And like, you know, it's expensive to live here. It's expensive for the car registration. It's car, you know, utilities are going up here in San Diego. SDG and E, our rates have doubled just in like the past couple months for some reason. They're like just up, up, everything's doubled now. And um, I think there's an opportunity and I just don't feel like the, the current California GOP is filling that void. They just basically sit there on Twitter and they complain and they they do these clever retweets where they're like, they're like, oh, let's complain about what Gavin Newsom said. And it's like, that. give us a proposal. Give us something. Give us a solution that we can grasp onto. So um, that's really the issue is people want solutions. People aren't just going to vote for you because you're the photo negative. They want to vote for you because you are... Um, providing solutions because there's a better future. That's why people vote for someone. They vote for someone mostly because they see a better future with you at the helm. 
And if you don't give people that better future or the vision of a better future, they're not going to listen to you. 14 years ago, I started researching the most Republican cities in America. I tried so hard to convince my husband to move to a different state. What is he? Is he more? He said no. So now I fight as. Yeah, has he changed his mind at all recently, or is he just still, still sticking with California? I want to stay in California. I don't want to go anywhere else. Like, you know, I've, I've we've talked about like moving to Arizona or Nevada or stuff like that. It's like, you know, probably Arizona more likely than than Nevada. Or like Las Vegas or something like that. Although Las Vegas is up and coming. You know, a buddy of mine, he bought a beautiful house for like $300,000. Huge, huge house in Las Vegas. Beautiful, gated neighborhood, $300,000. Beautiful. Um, in words of Trump, beautiful. It's really, it's one of the best. Yeah, I don't want to leave anymore either. I want to stay as long as possible. But it's hard. It's really, really hard. Havasu, Arizona. Havasu's out in the middle of nowhere. Havasu is like uh, hillbilly heaven. That's what I call it. Um, let's see. 300. Yeah, 300,000 to buy a house. It was, and I, I visited him in Vegas and I was like, this is what you bought? And he's like, yeah, $300,000. And I was like, at a pool, it was a huge house. It was beautiful. Uh, very true. And point out that if the Democrats have supermajority here, then why are we not living in a utopia? I always say that. Democrats control basically everything in California, so why aren't we living in this progressive utopia that they always talk about? You have more money than you know what to do with. <coughs> Excuse me again. I might be wrapping this up because now my voice is really falling out. Um, excuse me. Uh, I mean, you, you've taxed us to the point where you have a $45 billion surplus. $45 billion surplus a trillion dollars in unfunded pensions, whatever. We're not going to talk about that. So one thing they always leave out, they always like to talk about the $45 billion surplus. They forget to talk about the fact that there's a trillion dollar pension uh, liability sitting out there that they don't know how they're going to fund, but whatever. That's what happens when you create a, a huge bureaucracy of red tape and the fact that nobody knows how to pay all these people who are guaranteed government pensions. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the point I always bring up and no one really can seem to answer it. It's, why Why is it not a progressive utopia? Why are we not in a progressive utopia when Democrats control everything and they have more money than they know what to do with? Obviously, money's not an issue. Um, you seem to be raising a lot of it. You seem to have more than you know what to do with, so go do stuff and turn it into the progressive utopia you want. But they can't. They can't answer that, and it's because it's it's good proof that what they're proposing doesn't work. My hubby is ready to move. I want to stay. Been in my job for 18 years. Such a hard decision. If these bills pass, may have to, if my work forces. Yeah. Born and raised in San Diego since 1960. I love it and I'm not leaving. Yeah, I love San Diego, so I don't want to leave San Diego. I can't think of any other city better than San Diego. I love it here. Uh, it's It's a fantastic city. I was supposed to leave this May, but decided to stay. But after reading how they're trying to make this even more police state, I think I'll be exiting when my lease is up in a year. That's sad to hear. We need more people fighting. But I always say, you know, I wish people, I always say people should stay. But if it's your personal thing, you got to run. I, I don't fault you. It's you got to make your own decision. 
Well, they all have electric cars, so life is good. Yeah, they don't care about gas prices. I'm always curious where everyone is from who listens to you. Can we get a survey right now in the chat here in Modesto where the Central Valley is somewhat conservative? Thank goodness. Uh, Central Valley. Okay. So he's asking, where's everyone from? Um, I mean, I've already said it plenty of times. Would love to live in San Diego, but the real estate is that way. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting pretty expensive. LA, Riverside, Ventura County from all over. That's what I love to see. Um, Sacramento, unfortunately, Los Angeles. You know, it's funny. I look at when I check like the podcast breakdowns, um, I, I get to like see like breakdown of like, okay, it's obviously the state is California. That's where the most people, I get some like international listeners from like overseas and like Europe and stuff like that. Um, and I break it down by state and then I could break it down even farther by like area of California. And, uh, LA is the top one. A lot of people from LA listen to the podcast. So just go to share. There's a lot of people behind enemy lines who are really, really, really hurting for something different. You know, like Natalie's a perfect example. She's behind enemy lines and she's trying to fight the fight and, um, she's been hanging on. So let's see. Sonoma County, Imperial County, almost Mexico. Placer County, West Camino. Is that that weird part of Imperial County where it's like it's not San Diego County anymore. And then it's like, cause San Diego County does this weird thing where it's like, it stretches to the border of Arizona, but it's like one little stretch of San Diego County. It's weird. <clears throat> I always found that weird when you're like driving to Arizona and you're almost at a border. It says you're re-entering San Diego County. And you're like, I'm still in San Diego County. This is a big ass County. I just pray that we were able to save California. And my children are able to grow up here. Yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to realize they're starting to wake up and be like, it's time to to get involved and, and um, you know, and, and get involved in the local politics. So love to see the diversity in cities, which means we can turn the tables. We just have to get out there and fight for our state. Yeah, there's a lot of people all over this state. It's a big state, you know, and it's you got to hit the areas that are uh, ripe for people to change their minds. Uh up until now, a lot of Republicans have shied away from cities because they think it's not worth it. I think there should be a big change in cities. I think there should be outreach in cities. I think if you can break L.A. and, you know, make sure you keep San Diego sort of purple or even make San Diego more of a red city, all of a sudden you the rest of the, the state becomes very, very purple because if you can... Um, if you can knock out those cities and make them more competitive, all of a sudden the rest of the San Francisco, you're, it's going to take forever. I see San Francisco is like 80% or something Democrats. Uh, but even if you could start chip away at LA and like San Diego and San Diego was red, not too long ago. It wasn't a, it, you know, it's just until now there was Todd Gloria. So it's still very purple city. Um, and I think if you could keep those two and keep orange County pretty solidly red, you know, the sky's the limit of really what you can do. You can start. There's a couple weak points of California that you can get and chip away and change. So, all right. Well, with that, I made it most of the way as far as I could before my voice started to give out because of these darn allergies. Um, 
So thanks for tuning in. As always, I, I, I'm sorry I wasn't always on my game today because of the allergies. I'm going to blame Vladimir Putin because that's what everybody does is blame Vladimir Putin. Um, as always, every Wednesday at 9 a.m., we do this Coffee in California Politics. The audio goes up a little bit after this, so if you don't want to watch the whole video, you can listen to the audio as a podcast anywhere you want to subscribe. Um, oh, yeah, thank you for the podcast making number nine. Um, and uh, it was, yeah, it was a nice surprise. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of them. So the fact that I was listed as number nine out of like 35 top California podcasts on this site, I was pretty excited. My allergies give me horrible migraines. Yeah. I I believe I used to get migraines. Turmeric. Turmeric's really good for migraines. I haven't had a, a single migraine since I started taking turmeric daily. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with me through my allergies and my, my coughing and my voice and everything like that. Um, as always, every Wednesday at 9 a.m., Coffee in California Politics. And then there's always the Thursday night live podcast on YouTube where we have... Uh, a guest on and we chat about stuff and I'm um, still lining up this week's who's it going to be. Um, I'll keep you in the loop of what's going to happen for this week's podcast. Yeah. Try the turmeric. It'll change. I haven't, I doctor recommended it and yeah, I would love to just be a, what is that? The carnivore diet where it's just like you just eat meat all the time, but then I can't eat pasta and I'm Italian. And if I, you know, my wife's Mexican, I can't have tortillas like this is going to be bad. Um, so yeah, Thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, you can grab the noodle shirt. All the stuff is still in the store. Uh, working on some other things. And uh, yeah, I will chat with you guys later. for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 